Hello and welcome to All Indians Matter. I am Ashraf Anjaliya. By 2050, India would need to expand annual food grain production from the present 150.5 million tons to 333 million tons. In terms of farm acreage, food grains account for 15%, but their production contribution is only 8.7%. This is only one of the many indicators that innovations in agriculture are vital if India is to meet the demand and set the sector on a growth path. Indian agriculture needs partnerships that stress on innovative solutions for a variety of challenges from irrigation to the supply chain. That is what the Land Accelerator program strives for. It was launched in 2019 by the World Resources Institute India, better known as WRI and Sangam Ventures and is funded by the IKEA Foundation. It claims to be the world's first accelerator program targeted specifically at South Asian businesses that restore farmland and work in the fields of agriculture, agritech, the circular economy, etc. The program provides entrepreneurs with mentorship and networking opportunities, technical training and workshops and empowers them to connect with investors so they can take their businesses to the next stage of growth and benefit Indian agriculture in the process. All Indians matter. We have on the show two experts. First, Kavita Sharma, program manager with the Sustainable Landscapes and Restoration team at WRI. She leads Land Accelerator in South Asia. Earlier, she was associated with the Ministry of Agriculture and Farmers Welfare in establishing agribusiness incubators across India. Kavita is an agribusiness professional focused on entrepreneurship development, business mentoring and startup funding. She has worked in the corporate sector developing agriculture marketing infrastructure, modern wholesale markets and value chains for perishables in Maharashtra, Karnataka, Haryana and Himachal Pradesh. Welcome Kavita. Hi Ashraf. Next, Dr. Ruchika Singh, who leads the Sustainable Landscapes and Restoration Program in India. Till January 2019, Ruchika anchored the restoration opportunity assessments for the program at WRI. She has over 18 years of experience conducting evidence-based research, program management, assessments related to forests, water tenure, resource rights, landscape management and governance issues. Ruchika has worked with the World Bank, the Foundation for Ecological Security, the Development and Research Service and the Energy and Resources Institute, better known as TERI. Welcome, Ruchika. Thanks, Ashraf, for inviting for this discussion. You both are very, very welcome. Kavita, let me start with you. Why is Indian agriculture urgently in need of innovative solutions? Hi, Ashraf. Thanks for this really burning question. And as you said that we have to achieve so much of production, the statistics you mentioned. So to achieve the efficiencies in productivity, reduce the cost of production and effective monetization of farm produce, I think innovations are needed. And agriculture is a complex sector and there are so many aspects of agriculture that are interrelated, not just in terms of getting the farm production, but also in terms of raising the farmer's income, tackling the climate challenges and to intensify the agriculture operations in sustainable manner. Definitely innovations are needed to tackle the climate challenges, climate smart irrigation, innovations tackling water scarcity, increasing the farm productivity, insect pest management, like use of drones to address shortage of farm labor and to raise the farmer's income in a sustainable manner. Innovations are definitely needed. Absolutely. Ruchika, let me come to you then. Let's talk about another aspect where innovations are sorely needed, restoring farmland. 
What is the situation on the ground across India and why do we need to focus on this restoration? Thanks, Ashra, for that question. And I just like to kind of, you know, reinforce what my colleague Kavita was saying earlier. We definitely, you know, the Indian agriculture is in need for dire innovative solution. And the reason for that is, I mean, if you look at the very high level big picture, destruction, degradation of natural resource base is putting our economy, ecology and people at risk. I mean, we need to prepare for 1.5 degree warming of the climate. And in the Indian context, you know, we need to think about how do we sort of um, mitigate climate risk as well as, you know, think about, you know, building resilience for uh, communities who are, you know, dependent on land for sustenance. I mean, last year, I mean, I'm just thinking about, you know, the IPCC report came out last summer, which clearly indicated that it's code red for humanity. And if I have to, you know, break it down for the Indian context and the Indian agriculture specifically, almost 47% of agricultural land is degraded. But we have almost 70% of rural households who are dependent on agriculture. So we need to think about how do we sort of plan for land restoration? How do we plan for restoring agriculture and farmlands in India? Because there is an agrarian distress. And how do we improve soil health and agrobiodiversity? These are the burning questions that we have currently, which basically means we need to think about, uh, you know, how the production system. I mean, how do we sort of think about having more crop diversity, for instance? I mean, in with green revolution i mean we all remember this that in the 1950s and 60s there was a larger focus on uh, you know because our aim was to tackle hunger so there was a lot of focus on making sure that we are a food secure nation which we are now which is the good news but unfortunately we are nutritionally unsecure nation so how do we sort of think about planning for restoring farmlands but also thinking about nutritional security, improving farmer incomes and livelihoods. So that's broadly the challenge that we are uh, facing. And in this context, restoration becomes very important because it can help in improving agriculture, biodiversity, improve resilience, improve income for farmers, create more jobs, and of course, improve soil health and soil quality. So thinking about strategies for this is very important. Kavita, various aspects of agriculture are often approached individually, for instance, fertilizer or seed quality. But there is a need to see it holistically. Demand, supply, climate, the cold chain, etc. Could you talk a little bit about that? Very truly said that it is a really holistic approach that is required because as I said, agriculture is an integrated sector where you have different components right from the time a seed is sown in the field, the agriculture inputs, the kind of interventions, the farm practices, then harvesting, post-harvest value addition. So from the time a crop is sown till the time it reaches the ultimate consumers, there is a set of integrated activities, what you called as the farm to fork approach, or you can call it the input to output approach. So various factors are important and we need to integrate all the components of this agricultural value chain from production-centric to market-centric. So there is a complete value chain. You can't take one component at a time, talk about water or talk about 
feed or talk about fertilizer because even if all the agriculture inputs are there and they are uh, well given to the crop but at the time of harvesting or at the time the crop is reaching the reproductive maturity if there is incidence of insect pest or the adversaries of weather then also the crop is going to be affected so it is a complete set of integrated activities and even when a crop reaches the harvesting stage if it is not properly harvested and stored thereafter so it leads to reduction in the quality of the produce and if it is not subjected to proper post harvest value addition the farmer will not be getting the desired market price for the crop so uh, there is a complete linkage between different components of the agriculture value chain and to get the optimum output and make the farmer realize the best price for their produce it definitely needs to be looked upon in a holistic manner so kavita when experts talk about the value chain in agriculture what exactly do they mean could you explain that in layman's terms yeah sure ashraf so whenever we say the word value chain actually it is a combination of all the links all the stakeholders all the steps in a complete chain be it agriculture or any process say when i talk about agriculture value chain what i mean is from farmers to the consumers what are the different links in that value chain who are the retailers who are the suppliers so it is a combination of different stakeholders different components different chains that are integrated to each other and how best their synergies should be utilized to get the needed optimum output i would like to give you an example if you are talking about the value chain for milk so it begins at the time milk is collected at a collection center then is chilled in a refrigeration plant then is packaged then is uh, transported and then it reaches to the milk parlors the booth and then it goes to the ultimate consumers so from collecting the milk to distribution of the milk the different factors are interrelated and to utilize them in a way so that they are able to contribute in their best manner to the ultimate outcome how best we can develop all these components this refers to the development of value chain or a complete value chain right Ruchika, not many understand the link between gender and agriculture, but there certainly is one that spans property titles to wages. Could you explain that? Thanks. That's a very important question because I mean, if you look at you know just the trend in Indian agriculture, there is more and more feminization of agriculture that's happening with you know increased uh, also migration of men from rural to urban areas with greater burden falling on women. and they've been you know and even working on land uh, supporting with you know cultivation also doing a lot of agricultural labor work etc but these efforts are not really recognized i mean if i just talk about very high level numbers as per census 2011 of the total female main workers almost 55% were agricultural laborers and 24% are cultivators but if you think about you know land titles um, the agricultural census uh, last agricultural census i think approximately indicates only 13% women have operational land holdings so all the women play i mean but if we look at in general role of women in ensuring food security within households and preserving biodiversity their role in production systems and agriculture it is immense but all of this is not really recognized and the other challenge that happens with when role of women in agriculture is not recognized 
and lack of land titles. This also leads to lack of access to basic for women farmers when we talk about access to schemes, credit, education, or other, any of these entitlements that you know may come through any of the government schemes. All of this are difficult in absence of land titles or land security, if I could say that. The larger sort of, I mean, I was talking about, you know, the climate risk that we all are facing and from a larger sort of mitigating climate risk perspective. And we do need to build adaptive capacity and resilience for local communities, especially women. We need to think about transformation in agriculture a bit more systematically and goes back to what Kavita was saying. I mean, when we are talking about building value chains in agriculture and also thinking about, you know, various aspects of agriculture, there's so much scope to think about how do we design more socially inclusive, gender specific strategies, basically. And, you know, more from an intersectional lens, because we are a very diverse country. I mean, how do we think about caste class and some of those differences as well, when we think about gender in agriculture? So not just about women, but also thinking about, you know, Adivasis, Dalits, and how do we sort of plan strategies accordingly and thinking about enhancing farm productivity, but not as treating them as beneficiaries. But I think we need to think about it a bit more. They steering the conversations as agents of change, if I could say that. So, you know, being center stage and uh, our policies need to be designed differently if we are really thinking about transformation. Yeah, I think that's a critical point, Ruchika. I think what you're saying is that don't put them at the end of the chain of the process, but you know, integrate them at every stage, make them central rather than just a beneficiary. I think it's very important. Ruchika, given the perspective that we have spoken about so far, in which aspects do you think innovation is most needed? We need a transformative change, honestly, I think in the agriculture system. We need to think about from a larger food system approach and uh, think about the production system, but also think about how we process food distribution and consumption. So some of the goes back to what Kavita was talking about value chains and, you know, how, why it's important to think about the entire chain. So basically when we think about, you know, what innovation is needed, it is a total transformation that's really needed. And how do we sort of develop strategies which would aim to enhance rural livelihoods or support agri-value chains and agri-businesses? That's important. Planning for larger landscape-level interventions which would so that we are focusing more on sustainable regenerative agricultural practices, which could result in uh, you know flow of agrobiodiversity with a larger ecosystem perspective. This transformation is possible, but requires systemic and structural changes. I mean, if I have to take a few examples, we really would have to think about, and this is some of the analysis that we did last year and was published as well, in terms of thinking, you know, how do we sort of look at some of the perverse subsidies that are there, for instance, in agriculture? Can those be repurposed and move though incentivized for land restoration, which could help in increasing yield, improving soil health, etc.? or creating new incentives, for instance, which actually reward and put small landholders first, very important in the Indian context, given it almost 85% of landholders are small and marginal farmers. How do we sort of, you know, plan some of these incentives which would lead to benefits flowing to people? Of course, the transformation can't happen without, I mean, I've already talked about, you know, land rights, but thinking of land rights, and resource rights a bit more systematically in this entire context. And what is most important and it would be if we are talking about, uh, you know, these changes, 
there can be policy changes that would be made, but how do we measure impact? That's the most important part, right? So monitoring, tracking, creating those systems which help us also to think about what is the progress when we are planning some of these. So setting out those interventions so that it's very integrated throughout. Absolutely. Kavita, we need to not just grow our farm sector, we need to do it sustainably. And we haven't been very successful at that. Could you put this challenge in perspective for us? So, uh, Ashraf, when we talk about sustainably developing the farm sector, there are numerous challenges. First of all, the resources are scarce, be it the land or the water, and also the degradation of the natural resources is past. And I think at the same time, there is rising demand for food, feed or fodder. So the productivity needs to match the rising demand, which is at this point of time possible with the kind of farm inputs that are not organic altogether. We can't feed the nation by adopting regenerative farming or organic farming at a larger scale because considering the kind of landscape in which Indian agriculture falls, uh, the subtropical climate, the different kind of diseases, pests and the incidence of uh, vagaries of weather, this all have to be managed sustainably. But the scale at which we do the farming and the scale of operations, the farm practices, the interventions that are required to manage the crops successfully, they still require the need of agriculture inputs that are not purely organic. So this is a very big challenge. And if you remember last year, we had a huge problem of locust, the insect from the neighboring nations. So when such kind of emergencies and problems emerge, there's a situation of food insecurity. We need to tackle those kind of challenges by adopting approaches that are not purely organic in nature or sustainable in nature. Now, when coming to the use of water, so uh, in many places, the underground water is also not of the pure quality. There are challenges. The chemicals have percolated down the soil. And if you compare the productivity of India with the developed nations, we still are lacking behind. And the use of chemicals and fertilizers that we use are far below the use that they do, especially if you consider China and the Western nations. So to match up to that level, to maintain our productivity, definitely we need to approaches that are not yet purely sustainable. So there are challenges in terms of the rising population, resources shortage, the land, the water, everything is scarce, plus the kind of different incidence of diseases pests that the Indian agriculture faces. These all are posing challenges to grow it sustainably on larger scale. Ruchika? When you talk about transformation in the farm sector, a lot of it is about human skills too, isn't it? Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I think when we talk about transformation, it would be about how do we also sort of build the right capacities for people who are dependent on land and, you know, what sort of livelihood opportunities or incentives that can be created. That is a very important question. And that's where, I mean, uh, I think for, if I have to give an example, we've done some work uh, and we did this in context of not just agriculture, but larger landscape restoration perspective, where the focus is to see what could be potential livelihood opportunities that can emerge from restoration. And we did this in Eastern Madhya Pradesh in City District. And uh, one of our learnings has been there is an immense potential for uh, different restoration interventions like agroforestry, trees on bonds or boundaries, or vadi, which is basically 
mostly agri-hotty forestry interventions. And uh, implementation of this in a poor marginalized district like Sidhi could lead to creation of almost 30,000 new jobs, uh, which is, uh, you know, through different micro-enterprises where you are growing, processing or harvesting high-value tree crops, you know, which could help in sustainably building local economies. But what would be needed is then, you know, when we are creating these micro-enterprises, how do we build capacities of local sort of entrepreneurs, whether these are farmer-producer organizations or new entrepreneurs who are interested in developing different innovative models. And Kavita was talking earlier about different innovative, uh, you know, models that are needed within the value chain, whether it's around integrated press management or thinking about food forest model. So when one of the big sort of, uh, you know, focus in terms of human sort of skill sets, the gap is how do we sort of, you know, create or uh, nurture skills, build capacities of local communities who are dependent on land to seek that there are more options for farm, but also of farm uh, jobs and livelihoods. And a lot of that could be some of these restoration enterprises or different, you know, agri and restoration of enterprises, but which would require creating the right sort of capacities and skills. So, Ruchika, can technology play a role uh, in the form of, let's say, payment solutions or the use of data? Well, Technology in skill building may not necessarily play alone. I mean, if I'm talking from a transformative agriculture perspective, I think there what is needed is what I was talking about earlier. We need to think about creating new incentives for farmers and local communities and remove some of the perverse incentives on agriculture. So if I have to take an example, can we design, you know, incentives in terms of ecosystem services? If farmers are, you know, men and women farmers in this case, for instance, if they are practicing sustainable regenerative agricultural practices, which leads to, you know, clean water, which is also leading to above ground biomass, which is also leading to, let's say, improving soil health, then can these ecosystem services that are being restored because of this, can some incentives flow to farmers directly, which would require building uh, right kind of incentives and program around that. And which we don't have right now in India, but that is really, you know, what's needed. Now, technology here could come in in different ways in terms of how you plan, for instance, for, uh, you know, landscape restoration, or how do you monitor some of these solutions? How do you think about uh, marketing if it's about, you know, let's say the supply chain uh, solutions that are being developed, maybe, you know, for tracing of a particular commodity. So there could be different ways technology could potentially play a solution, but that would be not the only solution. Obviously, there is uh, much more that also needs to be brought in. So Kavita, that brings me to the Land Accelerator Program. Give us an overview of it. And so it's objectives, how it works, how entrepreneurs can participate, etc. If you talk about Land Accelerator, Ashraf, then I must say it is a first of its kind program that was launched by WRI India in 2020 to provide entrepreneurial opportunities to the entrepreneurs in land restoration segment and to enhance the sustainable livelihoods to the locals and to create social as well as environmental impact on ground. So uh, when we talk about Land Accelerator, it is a unique program which has an accelerator curriculum to support these entrepreneurs by means of expert mentorship, 
helping them and guiding them in pitching their ventures effectively, making them understand the value of the restoration projects and how to measure, document and communicate their social and environmental impact, getting them connected to the impact investors so that they are able to take their initiatives to the next level. And we call it a triple P approach actually where people join hands to make this planet more sustainable and at the same time generate profits for their ventures as well as for the local communities by creating sustainable long-term livelihoods and social and environmental impact. So it is aimed at supporting the land restoration entrepreneurs and to my knowledge there isn't any exclusive program so far in South Asia that focuses on the land restoration entrepreneurs and it is aimed at conserving or saving India's farms and forest lands and supporting these entrepreneurs in the best possible manner. Right and how can an entrepreneur participate if they wish to? So for Land Accelerator, we do an annual launch of applications. We have been doing it since 2020 and two rounds of accelerators are done completely successfully. So we invite applications from the entrepreneurs. We have joined hands with Startup India, Invest India and Agni from the government sector. They are our ecosystem partners and we launch our applications on the Startup India portal. We do outreach on relevant platforms, reach out to entrepreneurs through our program partners, Sangam Ventures, our ecosystem partners. And then we invite applications from the entrepreneurs. So all the eligible people who want to apply for the land accelerator, they can fill up the application form and then we do screening. And then finally, we select the entrepreneurs for our six-month-long accelerator program. Right. Kavita, let's talk about some of the solutions that you've seen so far in the program. For example, I read about the use of IoT, drones for pest management and seed bombing, biodegradable planting bags. Talk us through a couple of these uh, solutions that you have come across so far. So from the very beginning, solutions have been very innovative and we really loved to work with these entrepreneurs like you mentioned some examples. So I would like to talk about some social ventures, some technological innovations as well as some community-led ventures. So there is an organization called uh, Bastar Fe Bazaar Tak. So this is a startup that is helping the indigenous people in the Bastar, the poor and marginalized tribal women farmers to understand how the forest produce can be sustainably harvested and value added. These tribals in the Bastar, they are now very well connected with the help of this startup to the food processing industry and they are collecting the non-timber forest produce from the forest on which they are dependent since many years but these people are uneducated, unaware and they do not know how to add value to the produce which is given to them by the nature. So this is a social venture which is enabling these farmers to sustainably develop value chains for non-timber forest produce at the same time restoring the land with the kind of uh, raw material that they get from the forest produce using it as biofertilizers and at the same time developing value chain for forest produce like custard, apple, tamarind. So now these tribals and women farmers, they are connected with the food processing industries. They are utilizing this forest produce. 
they are generating livelihood and income sustainably and at the same time they are getting ownership in the business so this is a kind of community owned venture and at the same time propagating the sustainable development of non timber forest produce value chain then coming to the technology in our first cohort we had a company called ai genics it has a female co-founder and this company has a unique technology that is based on artificial intelligence and they have ai based smart insect traps that kill only the harmful insects in the field and it is a device that is installed in the field very much handy it is available uh, for small and marginal farmers as well as for big farmers so this device when installed in the field as i said it captures the harmful insects only uh, based on the ai algorithm while it leaves the beneficial insects in the field itself so this is a one time installment in the field and there are different versions that help the farmers for say next 5 to 7 years where they don't need to apply any chemicals in the field and these ai based in smart insect traps they capture the insects and they are helping to reduce the cost of cultivation for the farmers and at the same time reduce the incidence of chemicals in the crops so this is both uh, allowing them to sustainably manage the crops from insects at the same time cost of production is getting reduced so they are getting more share in terms of the market price of their crops another example which i would like to quote is from the last cohort we had so pilar using drones now these drones are smart and intelligent and at the time of incidence of diseases only these drones give you the indication that there is an infestation of insect and pest in such a such parcel of land or farm only so you can use the drones which have these sensors and camera to spray the uh, chemicals on a selected part of the land which is actually infested at the same time they are very precise uh, they are digital and they help you save the human capital or the human labor i avoid using the term labor but the human force that works on the field so in the covid times also we had seen that there was a huge shortage of farm labor so these kind of interventions utilizing technology digitization tools these all are helping farmers to be precise quick in doing their farm operations and at the same time reducing the cost of production so this all is helping them realize more income and at the same time grow their businesses sustainably ruchika do you have any favorites actually almost all of them in terms of we do need more innovative solutions if we have to really restore farms and forests in india well not favorites but if i have to mention one i think uh, kavita already mentioned in terms of bastar se bazar tak uh, i think they are doing quite sort of you know socially inclusive fascinating work on the ground the other one is uh, adimalai uh, you know farmer producer company which is working again in the nilgiris you know work with uh, tribal producers to see how do you collect forest and agricultural produce process it and market it so that's another one there's a st jude jude herbals now another interesting solution in terms of uh, you know herbal solution for plant disease production so they've come up with this uh, you know innovative way to do it let's see another favorite of mine is of course uh, gratitude farms this is from the first cohort they've developed a innovative farm food forest model and with the idea is that you know how do you through an ecosystem approach 
connect the two ends of the value chain for organic and sustainable regenerative agriculture so you know in the production end and also on the uh, other end and they've recently also if i remember correctly they've been doing some innovation around uh, reducing food loss through solar dryers etc so yeah a lot of innovation happening with the you know lot to learn also from in the journey that these entrepreneurs are having it's not easy to work in the land sector but they've been doing a fascinating job yeah and i think some of the examples that you both of you cited were really fascinating so kavita what's next for the land accelerator program the land accelerator has lot for this 2022 as i said it is a very young program yet very much effective and has lots of potential for 2022 we are looking forward to support more than 50 restoration entrepreneurs we are looking forward to join hands with more impact investors we have our weekly webinars workshops fireside chats scheduled for these entrepreneurs once we are able to onboard our cohort we are also planning to explore new dimensions in the field of land restoration like the carbon finance where the entrepreneurs are showing interest and they are eager to explore more we are working on making these entrepreneurs understand the relevance of measuring communicating and documenting their impact as i said earlier also so measuring the environmental and social impact of these businesses and making them more aligned to the climate goals the sdgs that is on our plate so for 2022 and the years to come there is a lot which is needed to be done for these restoration entrepreneurs the need for the mentors experts and stakeholders who want to join this restoration drive they are welcomed and this is an open call for invitation for all the entrepreneurs from south asia to join hands with us so ruchika and kavita here's a question i ask all my guests at the end of the conversation why do you do this work ruchika maybe you can go first and kavita you can go next thanks ashraf well uh, for me i mean you know since one of the biggest motivating factor for me to join the development sector has been i mean since you know early childhood i've been quite i've seen how patriarchal and deeply unjust our social systems are so that's one of the issues and second of course you know the environmental issues in india if you think about that very broadly i mean it's primarily about inequity access to resources and again injustice that comes with it so my sort of you know larger focus i mean these were the issues that i have been grappling with when i was growing up which kind of took me in this path where i've you know i studied more around development environmental issues and yeah that's why i joined the sector and i'm hoping to make a difference and honestly it's needed i mean if you look at how all the different sort of call signs that we are seeing with different reports coming out whether it's the ipcc i mean if you look at the ipbs etc we have to take action and we have to take now our generation is the one which has to do it so that's it <laughs> absolutely kavita for me i am basically an agri business professional and it would not be an exaggeration if i say that by now my blood has become green so it fascinates me i am passionate about this work earlier i worked for developing agriculture marketing linkages and then i realized that apart from developing linkages making every other effort for making the farmers get the needed price for their crops or whatever intended outcomes we have in our 
national commitments and the policies we still need to keep the younger generation influenced and get involved in the agriculture work so keeping that in mind i realized that the younger generation who have the needed drive the education the awareness so they should be able to use their skills their talent in developing innovative solutions jumping to entrepreneurship and making this all agricultural value chain more outcome oriented and uh, therefore i got excited to the entrepreneurship segment and since last many years i have been working with farmers with entrepreneurs so this all uh, sphere where there are new technologies new innovations keeping the farmers intact with them and making them adapt to these new technologies and tackle the challenges as we said the climate challenge and other challenges so uh, i think uh, this all has inspired me to stay connected with this entrepreneurship segment and at the same time able to contribute to agri business development my blood has turned green i love that line kavita yeah ashraf i mean from the time i have been studying agriculture then uh, management course in agri business so this all has given me enough insights and the passion and the drive to work here so yeah of course it have turned green now <laughs> kavita and ruchika agriculture has been an area of concern for a while in india thank you for shedding light on some of the ways we can approach what is a critical national challenge Kavita you can go first Ruchika you can go next so uh one of the critical challenge which i see is uh getting this agriculture to a next level of efficient production system and not just talking about the food and the production system but also making it consumer centric more sustainable and how to keep the younger generations involved in this activity they should be able to see some charm some creativity some new scope for the development so as the professionals and the experts say there is a need for second green revolution so for making this happen we have to explore the efficiencies in the production system at the same time keep the stakeholders together and interested in making the agriculture explore the needed efficiencies and reach to the next level ruchika thanks i mean i think kavita has said it quite well if this is a critical national challenge and we do need to resolve it i mean i'll go back to the point that i made earlier we really need to think about a transformative change in the agriculture i mean we need to think about it from a larger agro you know bring within our sort of planning how do we grow food you know bring in a bit more on agroecological approaches how do we think about focusing on a production system which values its agrobiodiversity improves soil health so this requires really you know a lot of efforts at the farm level in terms of what interventions are done and we are seeing a lot of that already happening in terms of you know more and more farmers are also recognizing that there is a movement there is a need to shift from the current agricultural practices so you know whether to more sustainable regenerative agricultural practices at the policy level i think huge huge i mean we need to think about reforms how do we sort of and a lot of it is interlinked issues but you know how do we think about uh, one way the challenge in agriculture can be addressed is if we the agricultural reform leads to you know ben- incentives that actually benefit farmers whether it's about repurposing subsidies or ensuring that uh, you know you 
we make sure that we have a minimum support price, for instance. Can that be for all the crops? I think it's for 23 crops, but right now there's more focus on wheat and paddy. Can that be changed? You know, creating incentives which actually benefit. I mean, we need a food system approach where livelihoods and ecology is sort of looked at hand in hand. And how do we do that? That's the challenge, basically. And it's possible, but uh, we really need to think about it more collectively and out of the box. Thank you all for listening. Please visit allindiansmatter.in that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-M-A-T-T-E-R.in for more columns and audio podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Ashraf Engineer that's A-S-H-R-A-F-E-N-G-I-N-W-E-R and All Indians Count that's A-L-L-I-N-D-I-A-N-S-C-O-U-N-T Search for the All Indians Matter page on Facebook. On Instagram, the handle is All Indians Matter. Email me at editor at allindiansmatter.in Catch you again soon. <laughs>